and they're living on the streets. Vehicles, a white van, unknown license. I've seen a flying saucer. Three, two, one. Welcome back to the Lost Frequency Podcast. I'm Tom. And I'm Rye. And today we talk with a with a Mr. Tom Stewart. Yeah, my yeah, paranormal story. My paranormal story. Go and check out his podcast. Yeah, he uh, has some great uh, paranormal insane. encounters. And also, he's also a paranormal investigator. And he and he comes at it in a very scientific way, which a very is great. Interesting approach. Um, an approach that maybe people who don't Oh, it can, it can be, offend, but you can offend anybody now. Yeah, he, anything. He, he might rub some people the wrong way, right. but I, I feel that it's kind of like we all need to bring everything to, to the, the table. table. And it's like, okay, bring this guy, you know, bring in Tom. He's got a scientific approach and he only does it this way. You know, we'll bring in uh, Sally. Well, or that's what he was like, doing with his team, if you remember. His yeah. team was like every different kind of person. He goes, oh, he's had a plumber. And he's like, oh, that's just rattling pipes. Nothing wrong with plumbers. No, nothing. Oh, that's what you... <laughs> I, I used to be a plumber. It, it seems to be like a... A thing, you know, because they had what is it? Taps. Um, that was one of the first uh, paranormal um, ghost hunters. They they were I'm plumbers. Military. They Taps were plumbers. Something completely different. Oh, Taps is yeah, burr, 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 yeah. Burr. No, no. This was uh, I forget what it was. It was like paranormal something. But they they, they were um, they were plumbers by day and paranormal and investigators by night. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. That was a that was um. That um, was not a, not with that voice though. Not with that terrible radio voice though. Uh, no, no, no. There's there's times when a radio voice is funny, especially if you're making fun of like like the 1950s smoke cigarette stuff. Yeah, I, uh, tell or, me about that. Uh, uh, hey, you want to smoke cigarettes, kids? It's very good for you. And gee, tell me. Yeah, especially for pregnant women, very good for you. <laughs> and it's like, come on, dude. Yeah. Remember they used to have radiation shoes? Do you remember that? The, not radiation shoes. They had like a thing in the old days, right? You would go into a shoe store. Okay. And they would put your feet in this machine, and they would lace basically like X-ray your feet. <laughs> And like perfectly fit shoes to your feet, where people what, were getting what like. What store are you going to? No, I didn't go there. This okay. is this is before my time. I'm not a time traveler. Okay, okay. I mean, there's moments where I'm a time traveler, but that's only because I'm under. So the they influence. had like like portable mini X-rays. Yeah, and people were getting like you know like people the woman with the radium dials where they were licking their. Oh licking yeah, their, yeah, yeah. It's kind of like that. So yeah. in the old days, man, they did some crazy stuff. And here's another thing: to think that that isn't happening today. Especially just with, with, just with we, something different, you mean? You, yeah, you mean the way stuff we that electrify we our air? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And people just go, oh, I, do, I have Wi-Fi. Let's watch a Scooby-Doo cartoon. Or it's like, oh, no, be, no, it's no, not 5G. Oh, you're, you're making fun of 5G. It's 5G is like, and, and someone's like, oh, that just means fifth generation. It just means fifth generation cell phone. I'm like, I saw someone post that. I'm like, oh, it, 5G just means fifth generation cell phone. I'm like, no, 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 no. Yes, like it does but, and it doesn't. So, so, so when you're talking about your modems, okay? Mm-hmm. So they're like, oh, I have the... Uh, a five five G network, and I have a was it two point four? Uh, right, right, right. Two point four, and gigahertz. I'm like, no, no, that G is gigahertz networks. It's not the the five G that is being broadcasted uh, from the towers. Right, it's different. So you got to know the differences. Now, what it what that five G is? Well, that's something a whole other bag of worms that maybe we'll get into another episode. But what? it's something that you need to be aware of completely. Just look into but, it. But, but 5G doesn't go as far. No. No. So they have to have more towers. It doesn't broadcast as far. What? 
Right, right. So it's, it has it uses a different type of wavelength. It yeah. uses a much higher wave, wavelength. Yeah, kind of like a microwave. Mm. Along, it's it's along that. Anybody line. in the mood to hop for hot dogs? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what you want to talk about, right? Uh, well, I, I was I, I had a question. You know, like uh, I love our ending tagline, and that was that was you. The ending tagline. Yeah, like you're bring the uh, periphery into focus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're you're you know at the lost pre bleh, lost frequency the lost frequency where we bring the periphery into focus. Where did you come up with that? I don't know, man, because I, I used to listen to a band called Periphery. Mm-hmm. I looked into what that means, peripheral vision, because in the periphery, a lot of times you that's where you see like your shadow people. Yes, a lot of times that's where things that are there when you go to avert your gaze to them they disappear yeah. whether it be technology not, not avert your gaze you mean you mean uh, the opposite divert Do, thank you yeah were, were you focused on it yeah, that's, yeah there we right? go. yes and when you look at it then you realize that it's that um that it moves mm-hmm. that things move or change but you always see it in the periphery and those things have always interested me okay so when i when i say bring them into focus that's what i mean Fantastic! I, I I love it. I was like, hmm, it, it really it really works, and I think it's a great uh, a great phrase. Because that's what we're looking for at the be- at the beginning. Like like we like, want to bring okay, everything. Kind of we want to bring this like the the, the things have. that are far out in in like the the outer limits. Almost, you know, please yes. stand by. But you know, those outer <laughs> limits, we want to. <laughs> We want to bring them into focus. We want to, you know, bring it closer so we can actually dissect them. You know, them. through time, I always thought I was like, I, 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 I'm a funny guy, but I, I, I've done it for a long time. But I'm starting to understand your humor now, ah. and it's, it's definitely tickling my fancy. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds dangerous. Ah, uh, yes, my fancy might be a little smelly once in a while. Anyhow, um, you, well, like, so, so, yeah, so we bring these at? things into focus, and like. Which sometimes, you know, if we're going back to like the outer limits of the 90s, you know, that that brings up like a a, a video. Okay, so that would be the alien interrogation video. Is this the one in black and white? Um, Yeah, yeah. Okay, we'll definitely talk about the same one then. Yeah, so it's... You know, when we first saw it, it was one of like the... It's like, oh, let's... uh, The computers were just, you know, becoming more of a thing, you know, more of a... Maybe a household thing. And let's go watch this. And uh, so the first time we ever, I've ever watched it, I was I was torn. I'm like, I want to believe it's real, <clears throat> but it looks so fake. It, it could be fake, you know. Um, but it, the truth is coming out on it that it's uh, it's legit. You yeah, know, you were telling me, about, like once again, inside baseball, you were like, Ryan and I are like, you know, what's 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 new? What do we speak to the you know the frequentists about? What can we bring up to make even to, to, so you guys, you know, have a good time listening to the podcast? And I was just like, I don't know, dude. And everybody goes, what about that alien video from the 90s? And I automatically went, oh, that video. So I know what you're talking about. Yeah. I remember seeing it. I remember going, oh, this is pretty crazy. Well, uh, I'll put a link um, in, in our show yeah, notes. I'll, I'll, we'll yeah, put just, a link so yeah, everybody can see that. Sure. Yeah, it's it's so I would listen to another podcast, of course, uh, yes. what we do. Um, and, and they had an individual on there who did it, his doing a deep dive on it. And, you know, the amount of research he's done, the amount of information he has is outstanding. It's outstanding. And it's like, no, this is, this is legit. And the reason why, um, it was being called and, and tooted as a hoax was because it was real. Right. You know, it, right. it's, it's like the, the counter, you know, the it's counter, counter, counter move. Yeah. Like counter like information, chest. you know, the, yeah. yeah, exactly. It's like. No, we got to say that's hope. So they and start I really putting hate that out. this word because you said it to me while we were talking. 
misinformation. Mm. Don't like the word. The word is lying. Yeah. And you, this is another thing we need to understand, guys and, and gals, is they use the language against you because language is magic. So th- when you think the way they speak and make you change your rhetoric, they change the way you think, and therefore misinformation sounds like a normal thing. But we all know growing up, if you lied, your parents, well, at least in my age, they but, would but, punish you and, for it, and, and it's I not agree. the right thing. But a lot of times, though, information is just information. True. It's what you as a person a do with it. it. You know, like w- we should treat all information like a, like our Bible. You know, we should all take it in, read it, understand it. And it's up to you to decide what to do with that information. Okay, so you're looking at it from this is the information presented, yeah, and this is what you do with it. Therefore, yeah, that's and, and but like the, the what the issue is is the information is all there. Okay, like I'm going to say that there is a ton of information that's presented in front of you, and you're going to be told that this is the true information, and you're uh-huh. going to be told that this is the misinformation. Okay. But the information, nonetheless, is 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 still there for you, and sometimes you have to research that information. You have to go a little bit deeper because some of that information is only you know. 10, 15% of the story, right. and that is the information that's being presented. But the other information is 75, 80% of the story, and that is what's being called misinformation. You're like, no, no, that's not real. And they just want to give you, you know, like the the, the icing and the cherry when they're missing the meat and potatoes. Yeah, and it's also so difficult to, because everyone, you, you, there's certain there's certain stories, ideas, information that is going to draw your attention to it yeah and you can't do it all we know that we know we can't do that but some people and this is why once again we we have to get together as a species as a team to figure out what's being done why it's being done and what we do to counteract that Mm -hmm. and we need to connect with people because certain one person would be about you know i don't know potatoes or what's what the potato thing was the potato famine real what happened i know for example i'm just i'm spitting potato famine 46 Yeah, yeah I remember growing up, you know, trying to grow those potatoes in Dosh Garnet. It was only the plants and there was nothing below. And then the other person. We had to eat zucchini. The other person was like Titanic. Bring it back, right? Right, running off course here, guys. The other person's Titanic. The next person is this alien documentary. The one person is the Sapruder film. Now I'm having an issue with the Sapruder film, for example. I'm just like, there's something in the light post that makes me look like it's cut in. Mm-hmm. There's things that. So. And to dismiss it based upon your lack of knowledge or your lack of interest in it is not fair. Give people a chance to change your mind. Now, okay. Now, hear me out. This actually ties in great with something I was wanted to bring up with you. Um, reality. Right. Okay? okay. I think everybody is living in our own like there's a shared reality and there's also an individual. Yes. Reality. Yes. So this is the earth is our shared reality, but we're all mm-hmm. in different dimensions. We're all seeing things differently. And granted, we can draw someone over into our dimension. Is that, is that why like in my dimension, chocolate cupcakes are like the shit. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't like chocolate. And cupcakes. Like, no cereal. But, 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 but <laughs> yeah, cereal is amazing. But, uh, <laughs> see his face that was so sincere it really was there's a lot of passion behind my cereal man i've there there was okay i'm getting way off topic but in the store i saw this one it's like the mix cereal of all the good cereal so it has like like tricks and like cocoa puffs and like like uh frosted flakes Uh and 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 
Fruit Loops all in one. Oh, my God. so delicious. So in, in my reality, this is like the best thing. But what I'm saying is like some people really believe something like they believe the sky is green, you know, like, no, this is the sky is green. Mm. And what's to say that they actually see a green sky? No, rather colorblind. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> no, no, but, 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 I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm making this analogy. Yes, yes. Yes. And it's like, yeah, so maybe a colored person is literally living in a different reality. And then you're like, no, do this. And, and like they're from a different dimension is what I'm saying is like right. we're all encompassing the same area. But perhaps, you know, when we're like, wow, that person is just crazy. I've, I've, it's like, no, maybe that is really not crazy. That is really the reality. I'm, I'm, tr- I'm just I don't even, think that's, I don't even think that's a crazy thought because I've actually had similar type thoughts. It's just like because we all do that. We look at the world through the eyes of ourselves. There's this and there's a collective unconscious that we all experience, which is that uh, um, sweet potato monkey thing, the hundred monkey thing. Yes, yes, There's yes. a collective conscious thing that we were talking yeah. about in a previous episode. And there's that, and then there's like, so they, once again, I'm kind of Dr. Darko today, but they use that collective consciousness to change us, to manipulate us and steer us in a certain direction. But there's also, there's all those outliers, and we like to call those outliers the frequentots. Yeah, that's right. And, uh, and, uh, the frequentots, you guys have been killing it. Uh, with Rye, help me out. We're, we're getting some stories. I know we All always right. say Okay, it, so, so yeah, so I'll, I'll touch on that really quickly, and then we'll just wrap this we'll up. We'll wrap so, this joker up. Yeah, so you got any stories, send them to the Lost Frequency Podcast at gmail.com, or you can always find us in our Facebook group, the Lost Frequency Podcast. Um, we're, we're open to receiving any stories, you know, for our Freakonauts Unveiled too. We can read your experiences. Let's say you have one experience. You're like, well, this isn't much for a show. Well, it is for our Freakonauts Unveiled. You know, we want to read that. So we, we will do that live on our Freakonauts Unveiled. Now, also something we have started is also our Creepypasta. So if you are feeling inspired, you were like, I want to write a scary story. Well, I will read that uh, and I'll publish it on our YouTube channel. Of course, giving you credit Would for your story. Golden tone voice. <laughs> and yeah, so I definitely want to do shout out to Nancy. You know, she's been... She, she just sent me a second one, um, mm. but I have to, I have another one coming up in front of that. Actually, my own writing. Yes, so yes. So get ready will, for that one, guys. Uh, yeah, well, well, it no, already no. be out. You, it already be you've out. You've heard it. I hope you liked it because yeah. I did. Yeah. It's called, uh, <laughs> what is it? Uh, my Mom's Gonna Kill Me. Mom's Gonna Kill Me. Yeah. And uh, right. thanks again, guys. We appreciate all the uh, all the interactions, all the help, and all the love. And remember, you're listening to the Lost Frequency Podcast, where we bring the periphery into focus. <laughs> Let's welcome Mr. Tom Stewart to the Lost Frequency Podcast. Hey, guys. Hey, Hey, Tom. Tom, How are you doing? How's it going? Great. And yourself? I'm good. Excellent. Excellent. I'm doing very good. It's good to see you both. Fantastic to see you you as well. So why don't you tell our listeners uh, and our watchers, our viewers, a little bit about yourself and where they can find you. All right. Uh, Tom Stewart. I'm a former, uh, well, I'm not former, but I used to be a pretty active uh, paranormal investigator. And uh, I have a podcast called My Paranormal Story, where I tell spooky stories on every episode. They're real life uh, adventures that I've been on, either as an investigator or just out on my own. Uh, I've been in a paranormal enthusiast since I was a teenager. Uh, I've always been exploring, looking for urban legends, uh, ghosts, and things like that. Uh, so I've got uh, almost 70 episodes you can binge listen to if you like a good spooky tale. Uh, on the podcast, My Paranormal Story. It's available wherever you can get podcasts and on YouTube as well. And um, 
that's what I do. And I've been doing that for five years now. And now I just kind of go around telling my stories to people and encourage them to listen. Cool. So I was wondering, is it possible to put paranormal enthusiasts on your resume? Because I'd love to do that. <laughs> yes. I w it doesn't get you into a lot of doors, though. It's not going to get you a lot of jobs, unfortunately. Yeah. I, I just thought there's something you could put in, like hobbies, at least, you know? <laughs> yeah. I, I wouldn't think of it open doors. You know, you're not going to get your foot in the door. It's going to be like slamming the, the slam of the door possibly oh, on you. Yeah. <laughs> it, it gets you on podcasts. Oh, there we go. That's, That's where it gets, exactly, where it gets exactly. you. Exactly. Yes. Like this podcast. Uh, you were, yes, exactly. You were mentioning earlier you had a book as well. Why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about your book? I do. Uh, uh, during the pandemic, I had so much free time. A lot of people were learning how to make sourdough or how to do other things. I decided to learn how to write a book. Uh, so I wrote about what I know. So it's called the top 10 tools for ghost hunting. So if you've ever wanted to know what all those gadgets are that they use on those ghost hunting shows, these are what I consider the top 10 tools to use and how to use them, why to use them. And I even give little stories about how I've used them out on the field and what kind of interactions I've had with them. So that's my book on Amazon and Kindle and everything. It's very interesting. That is a fantastic, useful book for people in our uh, genre. Genre, yeah, yeah. Our, our corner. That's pretty funny. During mm -hmm. the pandemic, you learned how to write a book. I was just cursing God. <laughs> it, was just, it was just a rough time. So. That's, uh, that's very interesting. And, and, and I, yeah. I laugh at the sourdough thing because uh, my that's what my wife tried because I'm like that that hit home. That hit home. <laughs> it makes me think of the comedian Tom Papa for some reason. Because so, I know he likes to. Make yeah, I love Tom Papa. Yeah, he's a great guy. <laughs> yes, he's he's apparently very good at making uh, bread, from what I understand. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> many times we're Rogan talking about his bread and his stuff that he has in the fridge is <laughs> that bacteria growth, whatever they call it, a yeast, whatever. Yeah, I the yeast, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have no idea, idea. actually. No, no. I'll just go to the corner. I'm a little bit of oblivious on this one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't have any books on that. <laughs> uh, so that is awesome. So, Tom, why don't you tell? Uh, let's dive into some of your stories, though. You said, uh, you know, you on your podcast, mm -hmm. my paranormal story. You you tell some of these crazy stories. Mm -hmm. and you said they're all personal experiences. I'd love to hear some of them. Like, yeah, what a, what is the yeah, most yeah. scariest or one? one of the ones that you were most terrified about that occurred to you? Yeah, that's like one of the more popular questions. And it's weird because I've never really been terrified. I, I've always found the paranormal, maybe because I was so curious as a little kid, it's always just been something I wanted to know more about. So the scarier something is to most people, the more I just want to go towards it and learn about it. You know, so, you know, I was never afraid of Ouija boards. I was never afraid of abandoned buildings or going into the basement in the dark and things like that. Mm. Um, Combined but I do have some stories that, you know, <laughs> <we're>, <laughs> I have some stories that were kind of frightening. And I mean, that's the whole idea of the podcast is to give you a good chill. You know, I mean, uh, as I used to be a paranormal investigator with a group called Rise Up Paranormal. We're up up here in New England, in uh, Rhode Island and Massachusetts. And we had the luxury of being able to investigate some of the most historic and the most haunted places, probably in the, in the North American area. Um, so all around here, I mean, we got to go to places, some of them you've probably seen on TV, even like Belcourt Castle and uh, Fort Adams in Newport, Rhode Island, the USS Salem up in Massachusetts yes. and just on and on and on, you know, and I've got ghost stories from all those places I've been to museums. I've been to uh, people's houses, many residential investigations where things happened. Um, but I like to tell a lot of stories that are from just my personal life, too. 
for some reason, I've had a lot of interactions with the paranormal world. I don't know why. I don't consider myself a medium or anything like that, but maybe just because I'm looking for it, you know, would, and would, it looks for so me. So one thing that I've seen in this, uh, in, in, in our corner, we'll say, you know, not, not only with paranormal, but when we're talking like UFOs or cryptids, when it feels like someone has an experience, it almost like opens that door mm -hmm. and it kind of like you get one experience mm -hmm. and it's one after the other, after the other, after the other of, and it's usually the same genre. You'll say, oh, I, I'm the paranormal and I'm the UFO and I'm the Bigfoot kind of thing. Um, mm -hmm. Did you feel maybe mm -hmm. that was it? Like maybe you were <clears throat> touched? <laughs> Um, I don't know. It's hard to say. It's really just hard to say. I mean, I've had experiences with other things other than spirits, you know, like I've, I've been out researching for cryptids and seen some things. I've, I've had a couple of UFO experiences. Um, but like I said, a, a lot of the time I put myself out there to try to find these situations, you know, and occasionally they happen. Um, but you guys wanted a spooky story. I'll tell you a spooky story. This is the story that basically got the podcast started because uh, for years I wanted to do a podcast. You know, I used to be a radio guy. I like to tell stories and, but I always, I was like, what can I do for a podcast? I don't know what to do, you know? And so I kept finding myself telling spooky stories to people from my past. People would hear my story. They'd tell a friend, Oh, Tom, tell them that story you told me. And I just kept telling the same stories to everybody. And I was like, maybe that should be my podcast. I'll just tell my stories and this way other people can hear them too. So that's what I started doing. And so this was one of the, the ones that everyone wanted to hear. Um, probably like late nineties, early two thousands, I was living in a house in Providence, Rhode Island, and it was on cemetery street. This is for real. <laughs> there we go. Yes. That's red flag. Number one. <laughs> exactly. <Okay>? Exactly. <laughs> it, there literally was a cemetery across the street from the house. It was a very big cemetery. Um, a lot of people who live in Providence know about it. And um, the house we lived in, I was living with three roommates. There was four of us living there. And I was already familiar with the house because uh, a friend of mine was living there. And I would go over and visit all the time. And I got to know his roommates and things like that. And at the time, there were two girls living there as roommates. And they used to always talk about the ghost upstairs on the second floor and stuff. And we used to, you know, laugh at them and make fun of them and stuff. Um, but then the occasion came where I needed a place to live and one of the bedrooms opened up in the house. So they said, why don't you move in here? So I moved in and uh, I moved into a small bedroom up on the second floor. The roommate, the girl roommate who was living in that room, she actually went to the basement and made a bedroom down there. So that's like red flag number two. Yeah. When a female will go, would rather live in the basement than live in a bedroom <laughs> on the second floor, then there's probably something happening in that bedroom. So, uh, so I took over that bedroom and, uh, little things started to happen and they were just little things that you don't even really pay attention to. Um, so for instance, uh, I would, I would go to work for the day, come home, go into my bedroom and notice that some things had been moved. I'm a little bit of an OCD person. I know where everything is. And if you move something, I know someone moved it. I'm one of those type of people. So I would come home and I would find things moved like on my bureau and stuff. One of the things that was moved a few times was I had a couple of autographed baseballs and they were in square cubes, you know, the plastic square cubes you keep to protect them. And those were always on the back of the bureau, right up against the wall, the two of them. 
And I would come home from work and they'd be moved to the front end of the bureau, away from the wall. And they're in cubes, they're not rolling, you know? So I used to be like, who's been in my room, you know? And my roommates would always be like, I didn't go in there, I didn't go in there. I'm like, all right, whatever. Um, another part of my little OCD is I always close things. If I go to a, a drawer, I close the drawer. If I go into the closet, I close the closet door. I go to the bathroom, I close the bathroom. I close everything. I always close things behind me. I don't know why. Um, and on more than one occasion, I would get up in the morning, grab my clothes, go to the bathroom to shower, come back into my room, and my drawers and my doors and stuff would be open. And I'd be like, what is going on? Who keeps going in my room? And my roommates keep denying it. Nothing's missing, but it feels like someone's invading my space, you know? Of course. So it was just little things like that that kept happening. And this is over like a few weeks, months time. Then one morning, all four of us, we all had to be up at different times to go to, to our jobs, you know? And one morning, all four of us, none of our alarms went off. And I used to always use my cell phone alarm as a backup just in case we lose power or something, you know? And my other roommate, he had an alarm clock that had a battery backups in case we lost power. None of those alarms worked either. Every single alarm in the house did not go off that morning that we didn't lose power or anything. Just for some reason, we all had to scramble and get up and get to work. We all ended up at work late because of it. It was a very strange thing. The moment I started realizing it might be haunted, and that some of the stories these girls had been telling previously was I was sitting at my computer desk one night. This was probably one, two in the morning, you know, and are you playing spooky music? <laughs> what is that noise? <laughs> uh, so because we're on the rooftop here in Mexico, every now and then oh. you're going to hear vendors walking by or, or vehicles driving by. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, it happens. I thought the spirits were coming in too soon. Like, wait until I give, like, give like, you the cue. Yeah, Tom, I, I don't have the sound effects yet. Tom, it adds to our charm. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I thought there was some ghosts kind of get in on the podcast. So, uh, so, so, okay. So one night, two, three in the morning, I'm sitting at my computer desk playing video games like the nerd that I am. And... You know, all the lights are off, just the computer monitor. That's all that's on. And to my right of the desk, I had a, a floor mirror. It was like, I think they call it a shovel mirror. It's like an oval and it's on two legs and you can kind of adjust it and pivot it and everything. You know what okay. I mean? And as I'm sitting there at my desk, the mirror right in front of my eyes just went like this. Slowly till it went horizontal. And I sat there watching it happen going, okay. Something's moving that mirror. So I was like, if I move this mirror back in place, am I going to see some sort of a spirit behind me? Like, you know, in the movies, you know, whenever they look in the mirror, that's when you see the ghost. Yeah, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, yeah. well, only one way to find out. So as I was moving the mirror back so that it's in its right place, I could tell that it wasn't loose. It was rigid. Like I had to give it a good, you know, push to get it back into place. And then when I did, there was nothing in the mirror. <laughs> very unclimatic oh, but yeah exactly <laughs> it was very weird that that happened you know maybe it was a vampire and you just couldn't see him so <laughs> maybe yeah it was in the mirror <laughs> so along this time as well i kept having really bad dreams um dreams about dying be friends of mine dying family dying and a couple times even myself dying i woke up from a, a dream where i died 
And I literally had my arms on my chest, laying on my back in my bed as if I was in a coffin. I woke up like that. A couple times I woke up crying because I was so sad in the dream that I woke up crying like it had been real. I mean, they were that vivid. And my girlfriend would sleep over sometimes. She would have crazy dreams like that, too. Never at home, but always in my room. And one time she woke me up in the middle of the night because she said there's someone standing in the corner of the bedroom. And of course, I woke up. I didn't see anybody there. She's like, I'm telling you, there was like some sort of a black mass in the corner of the room. There's something in here. And I'm like, okay. So now I'm starting to think something's up, you know. And I was interested in the paranormal at the time. And I had done, you know, some stuff in the past as a kid and everything, graveyards, Ouija boards, stuff like that. But being in this house and knowing that it's haunted now, I really started getting into it. I started reading more. Um, I, I was reaching out for lots of books to read about the paranormal. And it was right about the time Ghost Hunters were starting to come on TV. So I was watching that show. And then the night that I was like, it's definitely haunted. I actually saw the ghost. It was the middle of the night. I'm laying in bed sleeping. I'm, I'm fast asleep. But I feel something sit on my bed. I thought it was my roommate's cat because her cat still thought that my bedroom was her bedroom. She had moved to the basement, but the cat still thought this was their bedroom. So it would come into my room and lay on the bed with me a lot, and I didn't mind. I like animals. But no sooner did I feel whatever it was get on the bed, it felt like something sat on top of me. Something straddled my chest as I was laying there. I could feel the weight of it. And when I opened my eyes and looked up, there was an old man in my face. Old, I could see like wrinkly skin. He had like a black, almost like a top hat on. And he was swinging at me like he was trying to slap me or punch me. And so naturally, I jumped out of bed trying to fight back, turned on the light really quick, and nobody was there. He wasn't there. There was no cat there. There was nothing there. And that's when I was like, whoa. I remembered one of the stories my roommate had told me when she lived in that bedroom was that she used to wake up in the middle of the night and there'd be an old man staring at her right in the face. And when I told her what I experienced, she said, yeah, that's the old man. She's like, that's him. I was like, oh. So then I was talking to my other roommate. He was the one that I knew previously before I had moved in. And he was kind of a, you know, just kind of a tough guy. You would never expect him to admit to seeing a ghost. But I told him what happened to me. And with the straightest face I ever seen him have, he said, you know what? A few years ago, I used to live in that bedroom. He goes, and the same thing happened to me. He goes, I thought I was just drunk, imagined it, dreamt it. He goes, but I could have sworn there was an old guy on the bed trying to attack me. He's like, yeah, I could just tell he had chills. And this wasn't, he wasn't the type of person that would make something up like this or joke around like that, you know? So that was my experience there. The, the capper for the whole thing was one day I come home from work. My roommate, he's sitting in the living room, and there's another guy sitting in the w living room with him. I don't know who this guy is. And he introduces me to him, and he says, oh, he's home from California for the week, and he stopped by to say hi. He used to be a roommate in the house back in the day. And I was like, oh, very nice to meet you. And he shakes my hand, and he pulls me close. He goes, have you seen the old man yet? Just like that. Like, I'd never met this guy before, never told him my story. 
just shook his hand. He found out I was living in that bedroom and he asked me if I'd seen the old man yet. And wow. I was like, wow. So did you get there a... was definitely something going on in that house. Absolutely. That's that's pretty crazy. Was, I mean, you, did, well, is there any history in the house? Did you like look into like any history of what was going on there before modern times, I guess you would say? I did try because it was that house that made me become a paranormal investigator. I got so, so uh, interested in the paranormal and like watched TV shows like Bo uh, Ghost Hunters and Ghost Avengers that I was like, I want to take all this knowledge I'm learning and all this experience I've had and use it to help other people. And so I ended up becoming an investigator, uh, a case manager, a researcher, all that stuff. And eventually, a couple of years after I moved out of the house, I was like, I want to I want to learn more about that house now because that story always stuck with me. And I wasn't able to find a lot. The only story I could find that might be close to what was happening is that that whole land area there where my house was and there's many other houses very all close together. It used to be just uh, just plain grassland. There was really nothing there at the time. And I guess this one older guy owned the whole land. And the city was trying to buy it off of him so that they could build it up into housing and businesses and things like that because it was very close to the highway and they wanted that land. And I guess he kept refusing to take it. And eventually they ended up just taking it from him and he made no money from it. And, and I read somewhere about a legend of an old guy who goes from house to house trying to get people to leave his land. And so that was the closest I could come to if that was it or not. I, I didn't find any records of anyone dying in the house or any tragic events in the house. So I don't know if that was it or not, but that was as close as I came to researching it. I did, however, send a letter in the mail to the people living in the house because the four of us who lived in the house together, we all moved out pretty much at the same time, like within the last, within the like two or three months of each other. Not because it was haunted, just, you know, life. We just all moved on to other things. And so at one point, a few months, after I had moved out, everybody I knew had moved out. So there was all new people living there. So after a couple of years, I actually sent a letter to the house just to whoever lives here now and asked them, hey, are you experiencing anything paranormal? Because I used to live here and I experienced some things and I kind of explained briefly what they were and told them I'm now a paranormal investigator and a researcher. And if there's anything I can do to help you, or if you'd be interested in me coming in and trying to learn more, I'd be happy to do that. Here's my phone number and my email address. And a couple weeks later, they sent me an email and said that they hadn't experienced anything, that, that the house was fine, but that they would reach out to me if anything did happen. And that was the only time I heard from them. I don't know if anything ever did happen to them or, you know, who knows? Um, In, interesting. I, interesting. I was thinking a lot of people used to have experiences. Exactly. And I, and, and I was thinking, you know, it, it almost sounded like an undertaker, you know, I'm not saying that this person was beating you up, uh, you know, like that's what they do, but it's kind of mm -hmm. like he dressed maybe somewhat like, like an undertaker. You have these dreams of you dying, all these people dying. And then of course you're living yeah. right next door to a mm -hmm. cemetery, you know, it, it, it yeah. like this. I don't know. It, 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 who yeah. knows? Who that's knows? A, we really that's don't. That's an interesting take just, on it. Yeah. 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 So did, that was like the, the one campfire story that I used to always tell, you know. Did you get like a ghost room discount after that when everyone you was know, like, hey, this room is haunted. Can I get like 50 bucks off the rent? Because <laughs> that's what I would do. I, mean, no, I, like, well, I wish we could have. I wish. 
It would have been nice if the ghost kicked in some rent, you know, at the end of every month. That would have yeah. been helpful. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> reduce uh, like, reduce the on. heating bills, you know, or yeah. something like that. Oh, Electricity. Wow. Uh, so, so you said you you've investigated some pretty amazing places. Now, of all, like I know you, we asked for like the scariest, but you don't really have it because it's really intriguing. So, what? That was the one that started it off. Yeah. What is the one that you would find the most interesting or something that you were just like, this one is so fascinating. I'm right. just wrapped up into it or some type mm -hmm. of experience like that where you just you fell in love with this this craft even more. Yep. Um, there's a couple I could say, but I'm going to go with uh, Belcourt Castle, which is a big mansion in Newport, Rhode Island. It's been there for, you know, decades and decades and the woman who owned it her whole family grew up living there you know wealthy well-to-do family but at this point in like uh you know early 2000s it was just her living there that was it it was this huge mansion and she just lived in this one small quarters area and she would uh rent out the ballroom for local proms weddings receptions things like that like it was huge and it was always notoriously haunted and in the you know in the uh in the fall like october she would uh she would take people on walks through the mansion you know five bucks a person i'll i'll tell you some of the stories that i've experienced while living here and she would just do like a little ghost walk with people you know and it became a big thing and i guess somebody from our group from my paranormal group went on one of those little walking tours and ended up having a talk with her and she said, next summer, I want you guys to host ghost tours of the mansion every weekend. She goes, and I'll donate some money to your paranormal society if you do that. And we said, okay, but we've got one condition. She said, what's that? We said, we want to have the mansion all to ourselves for three nights so we can investigate it thoroughly just on our own. Nobody from the public's in here. You know, she could obviously be there, but we don't want anyone else here but us. We want to be able to thoroughly investigate the place. And she was like, no problem. It's all yours. And so we got to investigate the place for three days straight, and it was pretty amazing. I mean, every every Scooby-Doo, Ghostbusters type of thing you can think of is in this house, in this mansion, okay? Full of antiques, things that are thousands of years old, stuff that's from all over the world, you know, there's a stagecoach from Japan and suits of armor from who knows where. And she had a tea set that belonged to Napoleon. I mean, she just had unbelievable stuff just sitting around collecting dust. It was amazing. And so many different stories and different rooms to investigate. There was one room where there's a chair. If you sit in it, it might throw you out of it. Um, just so many things. So we got to investigate it for those three days and we caught some evidence. We got some pretty cool stuff. But then for the summer, every weekend, we would bring in groups of people, 25, 30 people, and we would separate them into groups, five and six, whatever. And then, you know, as us as hosts, we would take them off to different sections and let them investigate with us, you know, so that they kind of get the thrill of investigating. And then we, after an hour, we would switch up and, okay, now you go over there and you go over there. But at the end of each hour, we would let them all take a, a pad and pen and write down anything they experienced. So group A was in the music room. What did you experience? And they would write down what they experienced. Group B was in the master bedroom. What did you experience? And they would write it down. And we kept track of all those notes weekend after weekend after weekend for the entire summer. 
And then we were able to look at them all and realize that people were having some of the same experiences in the same exact rooms on different occasions. People who had never met each other, people who did not hear any of these stories. We didn't tell them any of these things before they went in. So they all went in completely unbiased and would have some of the same experiences. Like, for example, the music room was supposedly there was a little girl who would be in the music room, a spirit of a little girl. And we caught audio of a little girl singing when we investigated. It was just like a little girl kind of just humming to herself in the corner. We caught audio of that. But she supposedly had a reputation of wanting to pull women's hair. Not hard, just like almost like, hey, I, look at me type of thing. And weekend after weekend, there would always be a woman in that room with us who would say, ow, someone just pulled my hair. Sometimes they would think it was their boyfriend, turn around and kind of give him a little slap, you know, because the room was dark, so they couldn't see who did it, you know. But we had infrared cameras set up. And you would see the woman's reaction like, oh, someone pulled my hair, you know, but there'd be nobody there behind them. And weekend after weekend, that was one of the most popular claims in that room was a woman who had longish hair would get their hair yanked on. And it's like how, you can't make that that there's no coincidence there. There's nothing you can say that would make that happen other than it's paranormal, you know. And so that place to me, that was like a case study for the whole summer. And someday, hopefully, a documentary or something will be made on it based on the stuff that we, because, you know, all the materials, we still have them all. Um, but that, to me, was one of the most interesting places I'd ever been. None of the spirits in there felt evil or, you know, malevolent or anything like that. But we would catch EVPs, electronic voice phenomena, on our recorders quite often. And sometimes the people on the tours with us would bring their recorders and they would send us stuff that they found and we would hear recordings of the same voice in the same rooms. Like the master bedroom on the main level, there was always this older man's voice that would say things. We had caught that voice. A few other people caught that voice. And it's like, where's that voice coming from? One of the times the voice said, um, put your weapons away, is what the voice said. Put your weapons away. And we interpreted that as, you know, we're holding flashlights, K2 meters, all these devices that this spirit probably never experienced in their life and probably think they're weapons, probably think that there's something that you're, we're using to protect ourselves. So it was just things like that that would happen on and on again at Belcourt Castle. It was just an amazing, amazing yeah, place. Tom, it sounds like you really enjoyed being a paranormal investigator. Why did you why did you stop? You seemed like you really, really enjoyed it. Like you seemed to have this genuine interest for doing this. I did. I did. I did. I still do enjoy it, but I just don't get to do it as much. It's just because of life, you know, like we were going strong for like four or five years. Almost every weekend we'd be somewhere. But the thing about paranormal investigation people don't realize is how much work there is involved before and after the investigation. You know, you have to find the client, vet the client, meet with the client. Make sure they're not crazy. Make sure that if you're going to go investigate there, that it's a safe situation for you and your crew. Then you got to do history on the family, history on the property. And then when you finally do the investigation, it's three, four, five hours 
A lot of that is setting up equipment, breaking down equipment. You know, a lot of it is sitting in strangers' attics for two <laughs> hours talking to the sky. You know what I mean? A lot of, you know, you watch it on TV and it looks exciting. It's really, really boring. And then after the investigation, it's hours and hours of reviewing audio, reviewing video, looking for a little blip, listening for a little sound or a growl or something that might be data that you can call evidence. And so that's very time consuming and it's not a paid job. It's not, it's not work. It's a hobby. You know what I mean? So a lot of other things just started getting in the way. Jobs were getting in the way. Life was getting in the way. So a lot of times on paranormal teams, people come and go a lot. You know, I mean, it's, it's not, it's, it's something that takes up a lot of time. And if you don't have a lot of time, it's hard to do. And if you're not putting in a lot of time, it's not fair to the other people on the team who are. So I just got to a point where I was getting super busy and wasn't as available as I wanted to be. So I stepped away for a little while, but I've always been involved in one way or another. There are, there were several different paranormal teams who would send me evidence and just say, Tom, what do you think of this? Is this something? Um, and I used to consult people, you know, once everybody I knew, knew that I was a paranormal investigator, they would confide in me or they would have a friend who needed to talk to someone and that person would confide in me. So I used to do something that I don't think anyone's ever considered paranormal consultation. I used to just let people tell me their story. I would give them my interpretation of what might be happening and what they could do to possibly live with it or handle it or make it stop. And a lot of times people just want to be comforted and told that they're not crazy or that they're not in True. danger, you know, and if there was ever a situation where I thought it was real serious, I would contact a local team near them and, and send them in to help. But um, I did that for all, but I've actually been getting back out there a little bit here and there. Last year, I did probably three or four investigations. Um, a couple just fell into my lap and I just called up my friends and said, hey, there's a restaurant I know that's haunted. You want to go investigate it with me? And they're like, okay, let's go. And, uh, you know, and I've had some opportunities to go to some places like the Conjuring House is in Rhode Island and has a new owner. And uh, a few of my paranormal friends are working there. So I got a chance to go to the, the real life Conjuring House and check that out. Um, so I do it. I dabble in it a little. I always keep, you know, one hand involved in it a little bit. I end up on podcasts like this a lot talking about it. Um, you know, I have my book. I'm hoping to write a couple more books. And uh, yeah, whenever I can get out to investigate, I, I do. Fantastic. And you you saying that you're a con consult uh, or you, you take consultations, you know, that's also another great thing to do is, you know, you're, you're now turning into a collector of stories as well. You know, like you said, my paranormal story is all your own stories. But now it seems that, mm -hmm. you know, you have mm -hmm. another avenue yeah. where you're collecting stories. You know, that's another possibility for, you know, even a book itself. Yep. Yeah. Oh, no, I've heard a lot of stories. I don't know if I would ever feel comfortable writing someone else's story, though. Um, I don't know. To me, it's it's a personal thing. So um, I'm sure some people would be like, yeah, you can tell my story. Uh, but yeah, I, I just feel like, um, see, for me in the paranormal, I'm, I'm what's called, um, how would you say it? Like a personal skeptic. Like when somebody tells me they saw a ghost, I'm like, eh, you probably didn't. <laughs> But when I see a ghost, I definitely saw a ghost. You know what I mean? I, like, that's what I always tell people is that, you know, uh, ghosts aren't real until you experience it. You know, if I tell you ghosts are real, you have nothing to base that on other than what I'm telling you. And who knows? You know what I mean? Until you experience it yourself, you'll never 
you'll never believe it. So everyone's a skeptic until they have their own personal experience. So I, I just find that those experiences are very personal to everybody. Have you had have somebody them, in your you know? personal life who was a complete and utter skeptic who didn't believe in it at all and then was either with you or experienced something with you in which all of a sudden they looked at you and said, you know, like, Tom, what's going on? Mm -hmm. I've, I've had a few friends who I don't know if they were skeptics or just didn't want to take the leap and believe in it because it was just too scary for them to even want to go down that road. But I do have a fun story. Um, one, one of my jobs, I have a lot of jobs, but one of my jobs is I'm a stand up comedian. I've been a, a comedian for 13 yeah, yeah, yeah. years, which I know no, is no, weird. ghost guy and a comedian. You do comedy I, I've too? I've done it for a long time. Oh, but okay. I moved to Mexico. <laughs> I've did, if you count all the years, I'm, oh, God, nine years in. So, but I haven't done yeah. it. In, awesome. I haven't done it. Awesome. I haven't done it in two. So, oh, well, you must be itching to do it oh. again because it's so addictive. Oh, it's killing me. <laughs> yep. So, uh, so at one day I was on a comedy show, and it was right down the road from a a very haunted place that I know of, and my friends from Rise Up Paranormal were there. Uh, doing uh, just a little ghost hunt with the public, like this haunted place, you know, a few times a year, we'll let the public come in, donate some money to the museum. And then the the paranormal team kind of shows them around and lets them investigate. So I was just going to stop in and say hi to them. And I was telling one of the other comedians, oh, yeah, I'm going down the road to the pain house because my friends are investigating there, they're paranormal investigators. He's like, that stuff's not real. And I was like, you know, like I just told you guys, it's not real until you experience it for yourself, you know? I was like, do you want to come? I was like, this house is very active. It happens a lot there. I was like, maybe something will happen while you're there and you'll become a believer. And he was like, all right, I'll come. I was like, cool. So I brought him. We went to the house, you know, and I call it a house. It, it used to be a house. It's a very big house built in the late 1600s. And it's been many different things besides a residence. It's been an inn. It's been a tavern. It's been so many different things. And now it's kind of a museum. And, uh, to me, of all the places I've investigated, it's the most active. Pretty much every time I go there, you can count on something paranormal happening that you'll witness. And so I brought this other comedian with me. And as soon as we got there, uh, Ken DaCosta, who is the founder and leader of, of Rise Up Paranormal, he was like, dude, you got to hear this. You got to hear this. We caught a recording tonight. We caught a voice. I'm like, all right. And so he's already got the the audio recorder hooked up and he's got headphones plugged in. He's like, give this a listen. I'm listening. I'm like, Oh yeah. I was like, there is something there. And I'm like, you want to give a listen? So I give it a listen to the other comedian. He's his face just dropped. Like, come on. He was like, that's gotta be somebody else in the house. And, and it sounded like a little girl. And we're like, there are no little girls here. It's, it's a museum. It's 1130 at night. Why would there be a little girl here? You know? And they've caught recordings of little girls there a lot too. So, so then we're sitting there and we're just kind of all just kind of chatting in this one room. And all of a sudden you can hear somebody walk by on the floor above us. Sounds like somebody in like heavy boots. And all of a sudden me and Ken are like, shh, shh, everybody, shh. And we're all listening to the footsteps go by. And I'm looking at my comedian friend and I'm like, there's nobody up there. And he's like, come on. And we're like, nobody's up there. Everybody is here or in the basement right now. We know for a fact that nobody is on the second floor right now. So we don't know where those footsteps are coming from, you know? So now he was starting to get a little freaked out. We're sitting there, we're chatting, and all of a sudden I see him just kind of sit up like this and look. He was looking down the hallway on the other side of the room, and he kind of looks at me and he goes, is there anyone down there? And I was like, right down that hallway? He's like, yeah. I was like, nope. 
I was like, what'd you see? He goes, I swear I saw somebody walk by, go from one room to the other across that hallway. I was like, oh yeah. I was like, that was a shadow that happens here a lot. And he, he was brave. I was, I was impressed. He actually got up and walked over wow. there. I think he wanted to just prove to himself that there was nobody there. He went and looked in both of those rooms and there was no other way in or out of those rooms. And there was nobody in the rooms. And he was just like, whoa. And he, I think he's no longer a skeptic. I think that was enough to convince him that there's definitely something going on around us. You know, so occasionally I get to, uh, I get to uh, pop the cherry of a skeptic. <laughs> <laughs> fantastic. Fantastic. That is awesome. That is awesome. Okay. So I have a question. What do you actually think like these ghosts or these spirits are? Do you think they're like residual? Do you think they're in another dimension or how, what is your thoughts on that? Or if you have any. I have a lot of thoughts, but not really many conclusions, yeah. but we all do, uh, I, I think, think it yeah. might be a combination of all those things, depending on the, depending on the situation. I think there's residual haunts where it's just something repeating itself over time, which could be footsteps. It could be a, a, a sound. It could be a scent. It could be any of those things. Um, and I'm never, I've never been a hundred percent sold that spiritual activity is somebody who used to be living among us and passed away and is now in spirit form. I've always felt maybe it's um, something dimensional. Maybe it's some sort of a string theory thing. And sometimes things cross over to our side and we don't understand it. And maybe it's happening on their side too. We don't know. I mean, I have had intelligent responses to questions during EVP sessions. So I feel like there are spiritual, there is some spiritual activity that is aware of us. Um, so it's hard to explain what it could be because there's so many other things. I mean, there's so many things we don't understand scientifically, biologically, psychologically, quantum physically, all those things. I feel like the answer lies somewhere in there and we're just so far away from even knowing what it is. But spirits know we're there. I know that for sure. I call them spirits because I don't know what else to call them. But I know that they know we're there. We had a, we had a really interesting EVP one time. And this was at that same place, the pain house. And whenever we would do an investigation there, we would do what's called a walkthrough. Before we shut all the lights off and everything, we would just walk through the house, just kind of get your bearings of where everything is and where you should be going. Because once you shut the lights off, you can't see as well. So it's good to go through with the lights on as a paranormal investigator just to get a feel of the rooms, you know. And whenever we would do that, there was a person from Rise Up Paranormal. Her name's Julie. She's like the best camera person of all time. She always has a camcorder handheld camera going at all times, a video camera. And so we were doing the walkthrough one night and we're just going upstairs, downstairs, this room, that room, she's video recording everything. And then when they went through that video, they caught an EVP of a little girl and the little girl was saying, they're coming, they're coming. And this was as we were walking up the stairs. So there's two things to take from that. One, the little girl can see us coming. She, she's aware of us. She knows we're coming. But the second thing is, she told, who yes, was she She's warning? telling somebody else. Yes. Yes. She was telling someone else. Another spirit, maybe? Can Are spirits aware of each other is another question. So that was always one of the more interesting EVPs uh, for me. So I don't know what a ghost is. I don't know what spirits are. I don't know if it's related to UFOs and Bigfoot and all of that. I mean, who knows? It could all be one thing that's happening in different forms. Who knows? 
Is that the only thing you're using as EVPs? Is there anything else that you really enjoy using while you're while you were uh, doing your investigations? Yeah, um, my my favorite tool has always been EVT EVPs, audio and video recorders. Um, uh, I've seen people experiment with things like spirit boxes and ovelis and things like that. Uh, I'm not a big fan of those. I don't find them to be scientific. I find them to be random and I find them to be power of suggestion. So, you know, like these boxes, most of them are just the, the, these spirit boxes. They're one of two kinds of spirit boxes. They're either um, quickly cycling through AM or FM radio bands, or they have a database of words or phonetics that just randomly spit out like like a jukebox or a slot machine. So you're putting faith into a fact that spirits will know how to manipulate these machines in order to say what they're trying to say. I don't I don't I don't agree with that. I don't believe I don't know why spirits would know how to do that or why they would choose to do that. It just doesn't make much sense to me. I feel like when you use a spirit box, it's randomly spitting out words and occasionally one of those words you might be able to associate it with something and it and it backs up your belief that you already have on that investigation like a like a confirmation and, bias yeah. yes exactly and i think you're tricking yourself using these devices i mean they look good on tv but they're only showing you the parts where it actually worked the hour that didn't work they're not showing you you know what i mean so you know i've I've experimented with spirit boxes and stuff, and you get more responses that have nothing to do with anything than you do ones that are, you know, relevant. So if you're not going to consider the ones that aren't relevant, you can't consider the ones that are relevant too. You know, you, that's just not how science data works. You have to collect all the data, not just the data that defends what you already believed. You know, that's just not how it works. So I was never, I've never been a big fan of those devices. I see people use them. And they try to modify it by wearing a blindfold and sound canceling headphones and all these other things. But oh, yeah. I still feel like it's power of suggestion. You're going to you're going to cherry method. pick the things you like. You know, <laughs> yeah. yes, the Estes method. That's what they call the Estes you're going to cherry pick the things that you like. Right. And then you're going to ignore the things that didn't tickle your fancy, you know. Um, so I like EVPs because, boom, there's something there. It sounds like a voice. It sounds like a word. How and why is it there? That's interesting. That's, yeah, I agree. You know, that's I always found disembodied voices to be the most compelling. That's why they scare me the most. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, question: Have you had any? Mm -hmm. Like we've had a we had a um, we had a gentleman on who was from Texas. What was his name? I can't remember. And uh, we had we had another um, investigator, and he would use. I think his name was John. John. He would yeah. use he would use uh, dowsing rods. Have you ever used dowsing rods? And do you give any credence to them? I actually have. Yeah, I had I investigated with somebody once. So like somebody like was a guest investigator came with us and was using dowsing rods. And I've always just thought, you know, these are ridiculous, you know. <clears throat> but I played around with them and I I just think that's another way of tricking yourself because dowsing rods See, here's how I explain it. You're not you're never ever gonna be able to stand perfectly still and hold something shaped like a dowsing rod and keep it still completely. You're always gonna have I'll put my hands up, you're always gonna have one hand kind of go a little higher than the other. You don't even notice it, especially if you're walking, you know, you're not standing straight and everything. So just a little bit of movement or just 
a little bit of tightening or loosening of your hand, even if you don't consciously notice it, it's going to make those rods move in a way, one way or another. So I've never really believed in those because I don't think there's enough control to use those for experiments, in my opinion. So I've never been a big believer in them. People want to use magnetic fields and things like that. But I, I feel like if you if you could set up two rods that aren't being held by a person and you can guarantee those rods are not being moved by anything other than some mystical force, like a, then like, maybe like I some, would go like along some with sort it. of if, gim gimbal or something like that that is holding it. And but I guess that wouldn't even work. I was thinking more like a dowsing yeah. rod dummy. I don't even know if that would work. Yeah, I don't. I don't know you if know. a gimbal would because you it's, know if uh, there's any type of movement, it's gonna it's gonna counteract it all. <laughs> Sorry, I'm cracking myself up. Yeah. Well, I mean, everything's everything's always moving. If you're in a house, the house is moving. It's settling. the The wind is making it move. We don't feel it. You know, the earth below us is always moving. Like things are always moving. So, you know, I mean, a car drives by, and you're gonna notice that you know your glass of water is shaking a little. So you just, you never know where that little bit of vibration or movement's coming from. And that can totally affect something like a dowsing rod. So I, I have trouble believing in it. I think it's more of a, a, people get lucky sometimes and, oh, it crossed, there must be water here. And then you dig and you find water. I think, you know, you get lucky sometimes. I but, did that. Yeah. I, I, um, but that's a good question. I, I actually, you found that. water. Yeah. But I saved myself about out in the desert. No, but Tom, I saved myself a couple thousand bucks and my high, my land is higher up than my neighbors and his is, well, yards, I guess we'll speak because he's American. Uh, um, well, what, what, what you're trying to say is seven that yards he deeper? found it much, uh, yeah, yeah, he didn't have to go as deep for Tom, his water. I'm a believer. <laughs> well, oh. well, there you go. See, we'll see. see I, I, you had a belief, so there it so is. I, I can see both sides. I can see both sides. Yeah, because it, it is allowing to human error. It really is. But that's not being said, though, that perhaps, you know, you're, you're talking about um, spirits controlling electronic devices. They're not going to know how to do it. I can get that. Perhaps mm -hmm. maybe <clears throat> subcon, you know, maybe spirits are can move your hand or, you know, change a little bit of a, of a mechanical device. Uh, it, it's a possibility. I'm, I'm still open to I'm open to it all open pretty it, much. Yeah. yeah. But. No, but yeah. I, I like hearing. Yeah, I never fault opinion. anyone. Yeah, I never fault anyone for what their beliefs are or how they want to approach investigating. It's just for me, my personal choices. If if you showed me a spirit box session, I'd be like, "Where's the whole session? I don't want to hear just the ones that you know backed up your claims." You know what I mean? Um, but that's I've always just been very very loyal to science, and that's why I love EVPs, even though I can't explain EVPs. I can at least understand how they happen at least because sound is energy. Sound is vibration. And that's what these electronic devices are designed to do is to pick up those electronic sounds. And I, I actually did an experiment once. You guys will find this interesting. I, um, I've always wondered one of two things is an EVP, a sound that we can't hear, but the recorder can't. Because the human hearing, we can only hear between like 20 and 20,000 uh, kilohertz, you know? So that's why like a dog can hear a dog whistle. We can't. It's not in our range of sound. You know what I mean? So our EVPs in a range of sound that we can't hear, but it's coming up on the recorder. And then when the recorder plays it back, it plays it back into our realm of hearing, you know? And that's why it sounds distorted. That's why it sounds weird. That was one of my theories. 
But the theory about that is all sound is vibration. So how is a spirit that has no mass causing vibration to make a voice? And 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 material. I can't, and the material I can't wrap my head around that high. part. Yes, yes. So how is that? So so my thinking is, are they using electromagnetic energy to imprint what they're trying to say onto a recorder? So I wanted to test that theory. So here's what I did. I took two identical audio recorders, and I snipped off the end of some headphones and jam that into the mic jack on one of them. Okay. So now if you press record on that recorder, it's going to record, but it won't pick up anything because the microphone's been disabled basically. Okay. I took both of them, put them next to each other in a room that we had a lot of luck catching EVPs in. And I did this a few times and I would start them both recording at the same time. One of them has a microphone that works. One of them has a microphone that's been disabled. And Luckily, one time I did catch an EVP. So the micro, the one with the microphone that works, I put the audio into my computer to analyze it, and you see all the little wave sounds, and then boop like that where the EVP was. There was a sound. Then I took the audio from the recorder that had no microphone working, put that in, and you see the same little just white noise, and then there was a blip at the same exact spot that the other recorder caught the voice. Wow, that is... The wave looked different, but something distorted both of those audio recorders. One of them was able to get sound because it had a microphone, but the other one couldn't get sound, but it was still manipulated in some way electronically. Oh, you should look farther into that. So I can't explain You that. should look farther into that. You're I would love right. to. I don't... I wouldn't I don't know where to take that experiment other than to just keep repeating it and see if it happens more and more but it seems like it would be far from a coincidence for that to happen and the hard part is, is you never know when you're going to catch an EVP so you know you can go months doing this experiment and not catch any EVPs and just be looking at you know audio for no reason I I I love it but I feel oh, like sorry. there's something there <laughs> I was about to say, like, I, I love that. Oh, I feel like energy is the root. Yeah, I, I agree. And I love your approach of it. You know, it's kind of like uh, your, your scientific method of approach. It's like, you know, this is recording this way. Well, I'm going to try it a different way. And, you know, because I'm going to see if they can uh, manipulate mm -hmm. it. And they, they were able to, which is, you know, hey, that's a step yeah. forward. You know, it's a step forward in saying, well, you know, you don't necessarily need a microphone. You know, they're not using the actual microphone to, to yeah. record. Because I feel that, I feel for uh, Tom, I feel like a lot of people yeah, just I like to step on other people, like people like to step on other people's toes and disavow their opinions. But like the thing is that we, as a, especially our corner of the universe, like we keep talking about, we're just basically trying to get answers to what, what is going on. And for you to do this type of experiment, I think that's a very interesting so I don't think I've ever heard that before. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's that's super super interesting. <laughs> no, I yeah. Well, that was I think that was one of the things my team liked about me was my approach, and and actually a few of us on the team were like that. We all had a a different approach. You know, uh, people investigate, and they you know they hear a voice on the recorder and they want to know who it is, and I'm like, I want to know how. How are they doing? Or this? what? Like, I don't care who it is. I want to know how they're of doing course. it. Like, how are they communicating from the other side? And so I've always wanted to know the how. Um, there was another investigator with us one day. He tried a thing. You know, we, we think we think it's electromagnetic that they're using, you know, around us. So he set up a tablet that had a touchscreen. 
and he set it up so that the keyboard was on the screen. And so if you went and touched the screen on the letters, you could type a message. And we kept encouraging the spirit to type a less type something to us, even just one letter if they could. Because we're figuring if, if they have the, uh, the ability to do things with electromagnetic fields, maybe they have the electronic touch enough to make that static screen, you know, press one of those uh, buttons on the screen. So we left it there for a while. We did come back later that night, and there was a, a dot. Somebody or something pressed the period button, and that was it. Like, no letters or numbers. We don't know what to think of that. I mean, who knows? A bug could have landed on it. You know what I mean? But nonetheless, Who that's knows? interesting. But we did come back yes. to, to that was it. Yeah. So that was the only time that experiment ever did anything. Um, but it's something to try. You know, that's that's what I found fun about investigating was coming up with experiments True. and seeing True. if they I work. Think that would be that would be know? very like, fun because I feel like I feel like the TV shows are missing that they're all just stuck on this thing flashes and makes noise. Let's put that on TV or this thing says voices. Let's put that on TV. And it's just, to me, it's just for ratings yeah, and for attention. The louder, the louder. Like, I think there are a lot of interesting experiments. Yes. The louder the REM pod, the more excited they get. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, so, you know, there's, I used to do experiments with coins. I would put a coin on a piece of paper on the floor, draw a circle around the coin and then ask the spirit to move the coin if they can. Because coins are very conductive to electronic energy, and if you if you feel if you believe that energy can be transferred, uh, coins would probably be the most energetic thing in the world because coins pass through so many hands, so many people have touched them. So if if we're able to transfer energy, then that would be something that I would think a spirit could interact with. Plus, it's something they know, they recognize. Everybody loves money, probably when we're dead too. So you know. That's something I used to experiment oh, with well. too. Wow, that is fantastic. So, um, so Tom, <laughs> is there anything we haven't covered you want to say before we close out? Um, no. I mean, any questions or anything? I think we covered it, right? Yeah. I, 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 I mean, I would too. love to people to, to come listen to the podcast, yes. uh, My Paranormal Story. Some of the stories are about my investigations, so you hear more about some of the experiments we would do. I play a lot of the EVPs that we caught on investigations on the actual podcast so you'll hear you know you'll want to listen with headphones because i'll be like here's what the voice said and then i'll play the actual oh, wow, for cool. you and then i played a second time here it is again so you hear some of that in some of my stories some of my stories i'll throw in a sound effect or two just to give you a little jump scare <laughs> here and there you know perfect perfect um because i you know it's a campfire story that's what i'm trying to tell everybody on this so it's my paranormal story the website is myparanormalstory.com. You know, I have merchandise on there. You can find link to my book on there um, and uh, links to all What's my What's the name episodes. of your book, Tom? Uh, the Top 10 Tools for Ghost Hunting. If you ever wanted to know what those gadgets all are, I think I'm going to follow it up with the 10 worst tools there for ghost go. hunting. <laughs> there we go. There we and piss off, piss off some paranormal investigators by telling them that their tools suck. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Um, you know. I, I actually had a, I, you know, I, I had some comments that was saying like, you know, being that you're the science guy and and like having a group of people that are kind of like a mix match, you know, like your science, you're going to approach it this way, they're going to approach it this way. I think that's the best best way to, to go about it. You know, if you have everybody believing the same thing. You know, yeah. it's like, oh, we're all going to investigate exactly the same. Well, mm -hmm. you know, you're going to leave a lot of stones unturned. And I think that's fantastic that you approach it the way you do. Our, our paranormal team was so 
was so diverse. We had people who were construction experts. We had people who were psychological experts, psychology experts. We had somebody who had a master's in history research. Um, just uh, like all different like experiences and work-related stuff and, that lended yeah. itself well to investigating paranormal. Yeah. So, you know, if it was if it was going to be a pipe that's making noise, there was someone on our team who would recognize that. You know, if it was just people who were hearing things in their head because they watched too many horror movies, we had somebody with a psychology expertise on that. You know, we had an expert photographer on our team. We had people who were really good with electronics and things. And so it was really, really beneficial. And I suggest all teams should try and go out and find people who have experience in different fields to come together because you'll you'll actually find yourself um you know having a lot more fun out on investigations i think now i i know we're coming to an end here but i have one final question um when you when you sure. left any of these investigations were, did you give the people advice on how to deal with these uh the paranormal activity if it's something they did not want to continue in their homes um what kind of advice did you mm -hmm. give them well, it kind of depended on the situation, but when it came to residential cases, um, a lot of times we would just say to them, look, we have no reason to believe that there's anything for you to fear and that you probably could live with this spirit. You know, um, we would most of the time, and this is what I tell most people is just take control of your space. If something's happening in your house, tell it nicely to stop doing it. You know, if it's waking you up in the middle of the night, just tell it, look, I need to sleep. I have to work in the morning. Could you please stop doing that? Engage with it. Let it know that you're the boss without trying to piss it off, you know, but just be kind of stern and just take control of your space. Don't let it take control of you. If things get out of control, then bring somebody in. If you're a religious person, bring that religious person in, you know, your priest, your shaman, whatever. Um, or if you, if you find a paranormal team that you think is you know, um, got good integrity and they're not just there to screw around and find demons in around every corner, then bring them in, you know. Um, but mostly that's what I would tell people is just take control of your space, tell it to stop, and almost every time it will. Well, thanks very much, Sean. We appreciate everything. Well, thanks for we, having we me. enjoyed it so frequently. Let's go out there, check out his channel. Once again, what was the name of your channel, Tom? One more time. My Paranormal Story, it's on all the places where you get podcasts and YouTube. So I definitely want to thank, uh, thank, <laughs> tank, uh, you know, I, I want to, I want to thank, uh, thank Tom for, uh, for joining us today. It was, it was fantastic. It was very insightful and really cool. Yeah, really cool. a very interesting scientific approach to things. A yeah, lot of I, I like that scientific approach. Well, why not? And, and and I can totally relate with him saying a personal skeptic because I'm like, oh yeah, I, I believe. But when someone tells me, I'm like, Mah. yeah, I'm the same way. Like when yeah. you told me the first couple times, I was like, all right, buddy, all right, you're seeing shadow people, all right, you know. Well, you know, if you've seen any, if you have any stories, any experiences, yes. Email them to us and, you know, we want to get you on the Lost Frequency Podcast. So you can email us at the Lost Frequency Podcast at gmail.com. Or you can send your stories to us on Facebook at Tom Franklin. Rivas. Or you, so you can get us on. We, we love all your stories. We have you on Frequent Nights on Valor live show. And, uh, yeah, remember, you're listening to the Lost Frequency Podcast where we put the per or bring. Mm -hmm. Bring. The periphery in the focus. Frequency.
close with good night, good luck, and God bless all of you, all of you on the good earth. Long live the cause of freedom.